Hey, let me read our verse for today, and then I'll say Happy New Year and all that stuff. Judges 3.31 is uh, what we're going to jump into for this kind of a inspirational New Year's talk, if you would, today. Uh, it says, after Ahud, let's just say that's how you pronounce it, came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He too saved Israel. He too saved Israel. Wow. There is a passage to preach from, right? Uh, this does have a purpose, uh, this, this little passage, and it's pretty, in, pretty cool. But uh, I have a feeling that maybe some of us could look back on 2013 and feel like maybe it was just another year. You're so pumped for a new year because it was just a little, maybe it was a little um, empty or dry or you didn't feel like you accomplished the goals you set out to. How many set goals for a new year? Anybody set goals? Wow. There's like the one person back there, Danny, uh, is like nervously kind of putting her hand up. You know, you might feel like it wasn't your year. You wanted to have like a great year. You wanted to have uh, a moment where you could just um, look back and rejoice, but it's one of those years. Well, if you've had that kind of a year, uh, I believe that you'll relate to this passage pretty strongly, but I also think you'll relate to this passage pretty strongly. If you're one of those that looks at the new year and you're just like, I'm going to take this new year for all that it's worth. I'm an adventurer. I'm just going to go out there and get it and own it. And uh, I'm pretty stinking uh, excited about the new year. This is for you as well. Um, I believe that there's a whole bunch of insight in the he too saved Israel phrase and realizing that God has a plan for you too. I mean, this is all the press Shamgar gets in Scripture. One passage. All these other people who saved Israel get like so much written about them, but Shamgar, not so much. He too saved Israel. But like he too saved Israel, and you too have the opportunity to make a greater impact than you could ever imagine. You too have some saving to do. Uh, one of my favorite movies uh, from the last few years, and, and I feel silly saying this, it's one of those movies that you're like, you know, you tell, you tell an audience of like guys that it's one of your favorite movies, and they look at you like the Keystone beer commercial should just land on you because you're not a real man at that moment. But I really love the movie We Bought a Zoo. How many have seen it? We Bought a Zoo. Okay, a little more of you have seen that movie than set goals for the new year. So I'm excited that I'm speaking to some people. For those of you who haven't, spoiler alert, I'm going to give some away about this movie, but it's been long enough that you should have seen it by now anyway. Uh, they, uh, we Bought a Zoo is an interesting movie. It's one of my favorites. It probably makes my top ten. It could possibly be my number one favorite for soundtrack. Honestly, I love Yancey and uh, uh, the, the guy who does the music, Sigur or however you pronounce that group. But uh, I, I just I think it's one of the number one movie soundtracks out there. But this movie just makes you want to do something. 
It makes you want to do something. And there's a reason behind that. Let me, let me set the tone, and then we're going to see a, a few clips here. Uh, the movie starts, and you find out that this, the, the lead character has lost his, his wife to cancer suddenly after just like the Hollywood perfect marriage, like they were deeply in love. You know, it was like the perfect love. They had that one. And because uh, they all do in Hollywood, pretty much, right? Unless you're on the Hallmark station, and then everybody's out of love and back in love by the end of the movie and kiss. Anybody else watch Hallmark 24 hours a day during the holidays? My kids were like, and I'm like, no, no, my youngest daughter who's six doesn't need to see shows with people kissing. I'm just saying, it's not good. But the Hallmark was just going with all these love stories. But this was better than the Hallmark love stories, this one. Like, I, it doesn't make you, well, the movie does make you cry like a Hallmark movie, but it's better. So here he's lost his wife to cancer. It's this painful thing you're realizing. It's really awkward. His family's struggling. He's struggling raising his daughter and his son. They're having troubles in school. All these things after having lost their mother. He can't make their food right. You know, his job he's lost. It's just not good. So what do they do? They pack up and they, they're going to find a new house. Well, they find a house they love out of the city, out in the country, and then they find out it's a zoo. It's a house at a zoo that has been shut down. And so the movie starts, and this is where my mantra, that one of my main mantras in life it, it, it comes up in this movie. And uh, uh, when they ask him, why in the world did you buy a house that has a zoo? Who are you? Check this clip out. Oh, there's so much more to that than we realize. You'll see it in just a second. But why not? Obviously, the inspiration of the series, this brief two-week series, but why not? I just, I just love that. That's a great reason, isn't it? Why not? And, uh, uh, but there's a battle going on in the back of the scene that you don't see. He's having this, well, you do see it in the movie, with his son. He's just this tension building and building and building and anger towards one another. And they have this huge blowout fight. Um, and, and then they kind of make up, and we get to see that moment as, as they're making up. And uh, one of my other favorite quotes that is so potent in this movie happens as they make up their relationship. So check this out. Now there's some advice to live by. What would look different in 2014 if you just allowed yourself to say, why not? I'm going to give 20 seconds of just insane courage, just embarrassing bravery, what would you be tackling in your life that that would apply to? Think about it for a second. What is it that you need 20 seconds of insane courage for? Maybe you immediately know, oh man, that He was talking, the son was talking about this girl that he liked, and, and he said the wrong thing, which, you know, that's very Hallmarkish. But anyway, you know, and, and she just hadn't talked to him, and he's like, but I really liked her, right? And did you catch what he said? It's like embarrassing if you say something, but it's embarrassing if you don't. I have those moments all the time. Now, usually I'm on the 
the other side of it, I'm like, boy, it's embarrassing that I said that, but it would have been embarrassing if I didn't. I'll, I'll, I'll speak really quickly. But, I, you know, it's sometimes uh, you find yourself in that moment where you're like, man, I wish I would have said something. And I, I hope this is a year, 2014, and when you, when you reach the end of it, you're like, I'm glad I did versus I wish I did. So I want that to sink in for a second. And then we're going to watch a little extended clip here. This is the end of the movie, so this is full-on spoiler alert. But when you hear these two phrases, the 20 seconds of insane courage, and you hear him say, why not, and you hear about how much he loved his wife throughout the course of the movie, and you get to the end of the movie, he's now succeeded in opening the zoo, he's now started to mend this relationship with his son and his daughter, and it's like this moment he takes his kids back to where he first met his wife, and he walks through how that went down. And this is where all the lessons kind of come together, and then we'll jump back into Shamgar, because I know you're just excited to hear more about Shamgar. So check this out. There you have it, 20 seconds, just 20 seconds. I shouldn't have watched that. I was like, whew, I was getting a hallmark over, there, hallmark over there, and I don't even have a tissue. But anyway, no, 20 seconds of bravery. There's so much in that, and as he said, it guided him his whole life. His, brother, his brother's advice, right, ended up that he met his wife because he had 20 seconds of insane courage. What could you do in the world if you found yourself in moments where you carry out your faith through 20 seconds of insane courage? Have you ever been in that position where you knew you're across the room or in the room with somebody you know or somebody had talked to you about life and you're like, man, you know, church would really help this person, but you're going, I would have to invite them, and you're trying to figure out how to invite them, and you're realizing you need to drum up about 20 seconds of courage to walk across the room and do it, and you don't. It happens to me all the time, right? You're trying to find that moment, that opportunity, if you would, for you to be able to dwell up the courage, the boldness, if you will, the, the insanity, the bravery to say something, because for some reason in our culture today, it's weird to make your faith not just a personal thing, right? And you don't want to be the weird one in the room. You want to be as normal as humanly possible, even though you're weird, right? And so that's, that's my deal. And so you try to just figure it out. That's where this talk is going to kind of go there, right? And, uh, and, and I would certainly rather embarrass myself doing something than, than find myself again at the end of the year having not did anything. I'd rather fall than not try. So back to Shamgar, because I know you're all very excited about this. Let me remind you of the passage. After Ehud, however you pronounce his name, came to Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He too saved Israel. So here's, here's this one verse. You really don't know much about this guy, 
But in the, in the Hebrew language, which this was originally written in, like names had code, I guess you could say. So from his name, you could tell some things. Here's what we can tell. This person was not an Israelite. This person was from the Palestinian area. This person was m- maybe out of Egypt because in Egypt, they worshiped the god of war or goddess of war, and that's, uh, they would be referred to as worshipers of Anath. So when it says son of Anath, he is, he is a loyalist to this god of war which allows him, right, probably to go all Chuck Norris on the Philistines. <laughs> it's like back in the day, they didn't tell Chuck Norris stories. They told Shamgar stories. And they would, like, have Shamgar websites and hashtags. But anyway, that's, that's you know, you just look at this and think, okay, so he was there. He was Hurrian in, in, in his origination probably from his name, Shamgar. And he was protecting interests for the pharaoh in Egypt on the northern part of Israel. That's really all you can tell from his name. Some would say this verse was just added in because to, the, to Scripture because it really doesn't have the same amount of story told about the individual. But others would say the reason the verse and the reference to Shamgar is so slight in Scripture is because he was the only non-Israelite who saved the nation and it was kind of a story of embarrassment that nobody else was willing. Interesting what you can tell from a name. So what does it have to do with us in 2014? Why would I tell you this story? What do moments like this in Scripture, why are they there? Well, it's the same reason you would watch Braveheart or Gladiator or, you know, a James Bond movie or, or you would go check out the Avengers or G.I. Joe. Anybody really watch those? Anyway, so it's like, you know, what, you know, it's, it's that epic, like, I'm made to make a difference and any normal Joe could just put on a machine gun and take over the world, right? And that's kind of that same epic bravery. bravery. You are wired to make a difference. And you're wired to make a difference in the lives of people. And so we see these epic movies. We see these hero moments. And, and we even read these stories in Scripture. And, and we're, we see their failures, but we see these great successes. And, and we can identify with their weaknesses and their strengths. God wants you to identify with their strengths because you individually and as well us collectively can make a massive impact in our world. So Shamgar had every reason, though, to do nothing. Let's say the Philistines begin to, you know, verbalize that they're going to attack the Israelites. They're going to take over the northern part of Israel. This is not an Israelite. Why would he take the only tool he had with him, an ox goad, which is just used for prodding oxen? It's a long stick with an iron tip. Why would he take that and slaughter? Some translations say slaughter 600 Philistines. Why would he do that for Israel? Very possibly under the unction of the Holy Spirit, even though he worshiped this God of Anath, the God of war. God uses anyone. 
And it's pretty cool to see this. It's pretty cool to see the opportunity in Scripture. In the Old Testament, this is pre-grace, pre-Jesus, pre-God sending His Son to save us, pre-Jesus going to the cross and then raising three days later for us to have eternal life. This is pre-like love, grace, forgiveness, redemption. This is back, this is illustrating way back in the Old Testament that God can use any of us even if we're not from the chosen line of the Israelites. This is a cool story. Why not? I bet God's like, Shamgar, why not? Right? Let's do this. Let's see what he can do. See what's in his hand. An ox goat. Awesome. This will be good. Right? I mean, can you imagine? How fun is it sometimes to be him? Other times it's like, Oh, what do I have to do now? You know, it's like, but I just look at this. This had to have been a good moment. And uh, so maybe Shamgar himself said, we're not really from here, but why not? And he took out 600 of the enemy. He was willing. In 2014, are you going to make excuses Are you going to look for an excuse, or are you going to look for an opportunity? Are you going to look for an excuse or an opportunity? Because Shamgar had every excuse to do nothing. This was not his people. He could have got back on the boat and took off. See, interestingly, uh, there there were sea people, they call them sea people, that were invading Israel all the time, and that's probably why Shamgar ended up there is to protect Israel. Israel from sea people and their interests from sea people, but he ended up having to protect them from the Philistines. And I just, I just look at this and go, oh my goodness. He could have just like said, I was in it for the sea people. I'm out of here. But he stuck through. So what can we capture for this that will help us in 2014? What are the opportunities you have the ability to grasp if you'll carry the why not mindset this year. And I think the first is the opportunity of increase. The opportunity for increase. Obviously, Israel was not going to increase if if Shamgar didn't defend them from the Philistines. They were going to decrease. They were going to be taken out and wiped out and go backwards again. As we see in the Old Testament, they go backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And this was going to be one of those moments where they were going to go backwards, but a foreigner, a worshiper of another god, saves them. So we get the line, okay, Shamgar saved us. God has destiny on each of us, no matter what our upbringing, no matter where we've been, no matter our past, no matter our experience in the church or our experiences in life. He doesn't base our future off our past. It all just takes us being willing. And, and, and in that moment, having 20 seconds of insane bravery and maybe all you have in your hand is an ox goad. Right? <laughs> I can't, I, I just want to see it go down. Will they make a movie about this and get even close, right, to accurate? It'd be incredible. All they have to go off is one verse. Listen to Isaiah 54, 2 through 3. When I speak of increase, I think this is one of those descriptive passages It says this, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. 
Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. What if you and I would develop a passion to settle in the desolate cities? What would be possible? You know, I look at this passage and I go, this is God's encouragement to the Israelites to increase the place of their tent, like you increase the territory where you can put tents and make it make your reach broader. I can't help but drive down Main Street in Buckley. I mean, now you know I'm, I'm, I'm becoming really indigenous to the area after eight years, man. I, I drive down the Main Street of Buckley two nights ago, and I'm just like, you know, vacant building, vacant building, vacant building. I'm like, dear Lord Jesus, give us something here in the heart of this city to make an impact. I've circled the city many a time in prayer, just going, you know, it seems like it's more desolate and more desolate and more desolate. But we have this promise that we're supposed to settle in the desolate cities, that God will, will give His people, God will give those who follow Him desolate places and bring life back. All these empty retail stores. When I go into the middle schools and we do these youth forums for the community and they are continually, students are verbalizing, one of the things that creeps them out is the empty storefronts. You have an empty Albertsons and you have an empty retail you know, stretch and they're just like, it's kind of makes them feel unsafe, makes them feel like crime is welcome. You know, all these feelings they get from it and you go, God's put His people in places like that to save places like that. We're here for a reason. We can make an impact in the desolate cities. Wilkeson, South Prairie, I can't believe I actually have a vision for these cities, right? It's like sometimes you're like, what am I doing having this thought? Wait a second, though. There's 4,000 people right around South Prairie, and there's not one church that kills me. That makes me not sleep at night. bothers me. And I think that's because of exactly what's expressed here. God needs us to stretch out. Listen to what this says. Enlarge the place and stretch. Some of you, like me, feel like you just did that during Christmas and the New Year's. I've definitely enlarged and stretched. Okay, never mind. That's not what it's talking about. But I, you're like, how many pounds did I gain? Holy moly. You know, I'm going to have a good before and after picture in like a couple days. So, uh, so I look at this and I go, no, that's not… This is talking about relationships. This is talking about space. This is talking about descendants in a second. Enlarge the place and stretch. This may… Maybe for you it's relationships in your life. Maybe you haven't added a new friendship in your life for years. Maybe God just wants you to know more people. Do you know your neighbors? How well do you know your neighbors? I believe for the church, so individually it might just be you knowing more people. As a church, I believe it's the same story. We need to meet more people. We just, because the church is you individually all coming together. It's, we need to connect more. We need to serve more. We need to share more. Love that line at the end of the movie when the daughter's like, Dad, I'm glad you're sharing stories again. And that's where we find ourselves is, are we sharing stories about what God's doing in our life? And how's that impacting our neighbor? Your potential, your potential impact is way greater than you can anticipate. In the story, it says, stretch, or it says, stretch your tent curtains 
wide. You are the curtains of this tent. Of open life, you're the curtains of this tent. So do not hold back. God's plan is, is not to centralize the church and just say, the only place that we're, that we're able to make an impact is when we're together. No, when you go out from these walls, that's the impact God for, has for you. Open life is a decentralized church. We're a go and be versus a come and do. Model. And the only way open life grows and succeeds and brings increase is if we go and be. You're intended to have spiritual descendants, it says here. It says you're supposed to spread out to the right and left, right? Whichever direction you go, go there. And then it says your descendants will dispossess nations. I look at that and I go, you, you know, it's speaking of literal descendants there. To, but that, the application for us today, I believe, is spiritual descendants. Like, did you know we're all, we should all be like coached in the faith and we should all be sharing our faith with somebody. We should have an example and be an example. It's the way life works. Somebody helping us up the mountain, and we're helping somebody else up the mountain. It's a team thing. Life is meant to be done together. And I, I look at passages like this, Jeremiah 29, 6 through 7, which I've, I've read, I think, probably at the beginning of the last few years, but just it says this in Jeremiah 29, 6, increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Our role in our city is to prosper our city, not try to build the prosperous church. That'll be a byproduct of it, but our goal is to bless the city. Our focus is to bless the community we're in, to pray for our city. And, man, I love the stories we have to tell. Honestly, as I look back over 2013, I love the stories. And when I've had an opportunity to invite others to open life, it's usually out of the telling of a story of some crazy thing we've done, like buying all the school supplies for a school or Big Give or something else that we've originated that, the, that people are aware of our story through. But I love the position we're in in favor as well, and I, I love it when a couple days ago I get a call from the Sumner School District asking for help because they're doing an event for 400 people here in this auditorium tomorrow. And they're like, can you help us uh, brainstorm like the video aspect of what we're doing and how you guys do it because it looks great the way you do it and, and you're giving advice to superintendents of the school district. That's just weird to get a call and go, thank you, Lord. That's kind of a cool position that we're in, especially when we meet in their building. And then we have the opportunity, as they say, because our projectors are broken and some of the lights aren't working and the sound's kind of sketchy. And I was like, you know, I do have friends that have churches and schools and and one of the things that they've done is, is they've actually been able to make their sound and lights and, and projection kind of a permanent fixture in, in the building so that they don't have to set up and tear down every week. But then it all worked, and it worked for the school, and it worked for the church, and, and it just kind of saved them some set up and tear down time. And when the 
assistant superintendent of the school district's going, that may be a good idea to do at the high school. It may be a good idea to do at the high school. <laughs> yes, it may be. Dear Lord Jesus, let this happen. You know, so you're just like, you know, it's interesting the favor God can give you. And then to find myself at a wedding yesterday in line talking to the superintendent of the White River School District and, and having the joy of just listening to her perspective of open life. And just, uh, you know, just the thanks she had. Maybe you didn't know this, but during Big Give, we saw how many people had shown up and how many extra meals we had. And they, there's an elementary school that had a need of, what was it, like 29 meals for those who, who, who had signed up for help for a meal. And so we helped that whole school receive meals. And the White River School District superintendent got word of it, was like, oh my goodness, we should partner with this event next year. And so we were able to have a good conversation in line uh, yesterday. It was just like, okay, Lord, what are you doing? This is awesome. We're being a blessing to our city. This is the goal. That's why we're here. We're supposed to be. It's interesting when you have conversations like that with somebody who I've never talked to about the school or about the church, right? And she's like, how's the church, Thad? How's open life? And you're going, okay, more people are watching than you realize. And in your life, more people are wondering, how's that church thing they're a part of than you're even aware of? You don't realize how many are curious, how many need the hope and peace that you have, but they're just afraid to ask. You're the one that should have the 20 seconds of courage to share with them. It's our role to be the initiator. If God took the role upon Himself to initiate relationship with us by sending His Son, the least we could do is initiate an invite to somebody who's seeking hope. What would be possible if you and I would invite one person to open life? What if we surround that invite with prayer? Just begin to pray for like a specific person we, we think, maybe God, it's this person. Right now, maybe names are jumping in your head. Jot them on your notes. What if we pray for that person not just to come, but the day that you get the 20 seconds of courage and you see that natural opportunity and timing, you, you, you approach them, you hand them an invite, you say, why don't you just come over for dinner or whatever the invite is first. But maybe, maybe it ends up being come to open life first. I don't know. It's easier to invite somebody to dinner than to church, and then they get to know you, and out of relationship, they probably would come. But I'm just saying, you know, maybe you uh, have the opportunity to have that 20 seconds of courage. What if you begin to continue to pray for them until they invite someone? What would that do to the potential impact we can collectively have in our community? I think that'd be a cool because invited people become found people. And found people find people. It's just how it works. But we got to stay in the process, right? You and I have every excuse in the world that we live in today to not invite anybody. Don't we? I mean, can't we find reasons? No, I'm like... People think Christians are like mean and judgmental. I don't want to identify myself. I don't want to, I don't want to force my religion on somebody, on my neighbor, you know. Um, I don't want to be too aggressive. I don't want to offend them, you know. I don't know where they stand on this issue. 
And I tell you where we stand on every issue, grace and love, done, right? If anybody, there's nobody that can't walk through these doors. I don't care who they are or what they do or what they've done or what they're going to do. That's what grace is. That's the love God showed us. So why would we hold back? Do not hold back this passage, and Isaiah says. But we can create excuses or we can create insane courage because God challenges us to have courage. If we just have this mindset of why not, maybe that'll help us. Maybe in that moment when you know the opportunity exists, why not will click in your head. That's like the whole purpose of this talk today. It's just so in that moment you'll think, why not? This year, open life is going to make you sick of the phrase, why not? Probably. I guarantee it. I promise you. I will make you tired of this. Uh, But in this way, I want to capture your why not moments and your stories. I want to hear invites that go good and invites that go bad. I want to hear about funny relationships. You know, uh, we would call them maybe open life moments, right? Uh, Where you just awkwardly invite a neighbor over for dinner that maybe you just should have never had in your house, right? It blows up. It was a nightmare. Those are great stories. Don't just share the good stories. Don't just, you know, this isn't Instagram where everybody's happy. You know, it's like, it's absolutely real life. And, and when, sometimes when you try to get to know somebody better, you realize you really don't want to know them better. Have you ever met those people? Do you have those neighbors? I have those neighbors. And you're just like, man, this is, this is as far as this relationship, this is the only meal I'm going to have with these people. And uh, it's, it's just real. That's life. I'm not hateful saying that, am I? I'm just being truthful. Sometimes you don't click. Um, but somehow the church, you know, we've been brainstorming as a staff, and we've said, you know what? We're going to change along with our culture and our mission as Open Life, we're going to change what we look at to be encouraged or discouraged as a team. You know, the old metrics of church world is, and I was asked yesterday, you know, I introduced myself at this wedding to people, and, and they're like, oh yeah, that church of Open Life, how's it going? How many, what's your numbers? What's your numbers? You know, they would say. And uh, the, the numbers that I like to share I like, to, I like to share crazy numbers. I was like, oh, like the number of people that we gave school supplies to this last year? It's like a little over 450. Oh, how many people did we feed in the community? I think it was around 1,700. What? Yeah, oh, no, there's only about 85 of us at the church. But, you know, you, you kind of come back to it, and they kind of, what are you talking about? You fed people in the community? You know, so you kind of get a conversation going. But the number that we're really looking at, if we're true to the mission of God, I think the number we should track is invited guests. Think about that. I think the number that matters is invited guests because that says if we're supposed to enlarge the place of our tent and we're all supposed to go to the left and the right and make an impact in our world, then us sharing our story, our personal stories of faith, our church's story of what we're doing in the community, the thing that's going to make the biggest impact is us sharing our story and then us inviting people. And, and if there's invited guests coming through the door and turning over a connection card and saying, I was invited by, that's the number. Is that number increasing? Yeah, that'll result in greater numbers in the seats, but invited guests mean we're all on the mission. Interesting, huh? So as we've been thinking about that and praying about that, 
really this talk kind of came out of that because the inviting thing sometimes feels like you're asking somebody out on a date and it's awkward. And you walk across the room and it's like junior high dance all over again. That, you know, you make yourself all the way across the gym, you know. You're like, you want to dance with me? And you don't really know what to do. You're like, do I just, am I confident? Do you want to dance with me? Or are you, you know, my six-year-old daughter would just run out onto the dance floor and start dancing and expect everybody to come with her. That's what she did at the wedding. It's like, you know, father-daughter dance. She's like, no, I'm cutting in. You know, <laughs> you know Jaden, here. You're just all embarrassed. Now Jocelyn and Jenna, 10 years old, are like, oh, dear Lord. Oh, help us, Lord. You know, they're all embarrassed. You're like, oh, sorry, girls. Just get used to it. And uh, so we need to have that 20 seconds of courage. Some people just innately have it in them. <laughs> and uh, others of us, we have to drum it up through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe a phrase like, why not, can help us do this. Some of you, it's way easier to invite somebody to dinner, and honestly, it's probably more beneficial than inviting them to, to church. Invite them over. Let them get to know you. Get to know them. Talk about life. Don't go all Jesus on them. I know the trick. The hook is going to be, we're going to pray for dinner. Have you ever tried that, you know? And, and they won't know anything until, Lord, I just thank you, Jesus, for this food, and I just pray your blessings on it, and our church, Open Life, that meets at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 o'clock on Sundays. You know, no, that's not the goal. Just, just say, uh, hey, is it cool if we pray for food? Yeah, okay. Lord, we just bless this food like Duck Dynasty in Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's like, I don't know what works for you, how you pray at dinner, that's what we do. But they, uh, you know, so the second opportunity we have, and I'm going to wrap this up in just a couple minutes, the opportunity for boldness. Boldness, right? That's like, that's what we, we have. We have this opportunity to be bold. Shamgar had to have been bold to take an ox goad and whoop up on 600 Philistines. These were big people. They're talking about giants, David and Goliath, back in kids' church today. And, and I think it's funny because, you know, these are, there's some big Philistines. Goliath was a giant, nine feet tall, an ox goat. Like he had to get close. I understand David in a slingshot, he was a little farther away. That's way safer than an ox goat, six feet probably distance. He's whooping up on these big boys. But interesting, that's what he had in his hand. Boldness isn't risking everything to acquire that which is out of your reach before you take action. Boldness is reaching out with that which you've already acquired. That's where trust and faith, think inside the box. What do you have? What are your gifts? What are your talents? What are your strengths? What are your passions? What makes you mad? God might want you to make a difference in that, right? Stories in the Bible. Moses had a staff in his hand, and God said, what do you have in your hand? Throw it on the ground. Turns into a snake, and he says, use that to be more bold when you share that you're supposed to be delivered from Egypt. You could read about that in Exodus 4, 1 through 5. What is that in your hand? The boy with the fish and the loaves. During Jesus' sermon, he's out in this place, and it says there were 5,000 men, which means there were women too and children too. The boy wasn't even counted. Probably about 15,000 people. 
and they're looking for food and he 20 seconds of insane bravery I, I got a lunch who's that gonna how are you gonna feed 15,000 people with a lunch what did Jesus do he made it into a meal little boy stood up with a sack lunch Peter had no money in the book of Acts and a beggar is asking him for money and he says I don't have any but what I do have is Jesus stand up and walk and a beggar for 30 plus years jumps up on his feet who could not walk jumping and leaping and praising God That's the kind of presence we bring into a community when we say, why not? When we become more bold, we have the potential to let people live a life in a way that is jumping and leaping and praising God, fulfilling life to the full, abundant. It's fun. What's boldness for you? Like, what is that thing that would just make you think, that'd be bold if I did that? Would it be inviting your coworker over for dinner? Would it be lifting your head and introducing yourself to the person you sit next to every day on the train? Would it be talking to that kid at the table at school or switching tables someday at lunch at school? That's crazy talk right there. But you know, like, you know, what what is it? What is it that's gonna stir up boldness that would just represent that to you? Maybe it's sharing a Facebook post. Honestly, during Christmas, the most amazing moment to me was when Meg Lopez shared that Open Life was having a Christmas service here and said, we're out of town, but if you want to come, we'll make sure you have somebody to sit by. Way to go, Meg. That was incredible. That was a great invite. And I just look at that hospitality and that heart for your friends. We all need that. We all need to carry that spirit of of boldness. And the final thing you'll have opportunity for is timing. Timing. The opportunity of timing. Shamgar happened to be in the right place at the right time when the Philistines were going to cause some trouble and he was able to whoop up on them. Even though he was not the lineage, he was not in the chosen line, He was just at the right place at the right time. And God puts us at the right place at the right time, doesn't he? I don't believe in coincidence. God puts us at the right place and the right time. You might feel like sometimes you're in the wrong place. But God will give you that unction of this is a why not moment. Here's your 20 seconds. They start now. You might find yourself five seconds in going, Right? But one moment of 20 seconds leads to another moment of 20 seconds leads to another moment of 20 seconds. Next week, we're going to continue this talk, but we're going to kind of celebrate about our why not moments. On Friday, Open Life turns four. We four years old. Four years old, right? And uh, I love four-year-olds. It's like, I four years old. And, uh, and, and it's exciting that uh, uh, we get to celebrate four years and just kind of look back. We might have a surprise or two uh, guests to say, 
hello and thank you and stuff. It's going to be a cool day, four years. Open Life has been around, but we're going to continue to kind of look at this passion of why not? Why not? Why not make even a greater impact on our community in the next four years? What would God have us do? What cities that are desolate now are we going to come into and bring the same heart and culture we brought into Bonnie Lake and make a radical impact in those cities? How is God going to use us in the next four years? I'm pumped to see what he's going to do. And it's going to be exponentially easier because we've already laid groundwork. I'm excited for what God has ahead. But I believe we have to grasp this why not mindset. If you flip your connection card over, we're going to have a moment of reflection here. Dave's going to do a song and, and just you could pray or kind of look there at the responses and go, man, what's my response today? Do I want to pray for boldness to invite somebody or do I want to just introduce myself to someone new? Maybe there's a coworker I've never met. What was I thinking? They probably think I'm the least friendly person in the world. 20 seconds of insane courage. Hey, I'm Thad. Oh, nice to meet you. I'm so-and-so. That's all. Like, all of heaven will applaud your boldness because only through relationship can he do anything through you. We don't want to use people for the church. We don't use relationships to grow the church. God just designed us for a relationship and to love people. Our, we're whole when we have a relationship this way with God and a relationship this way with people. So we need to lift our heads up. Maybe that's you. Or maybe your response is you're literally at the place where you've known, you've had opportunities to invite somebody to come to church. You've just never done it. Man, maybe this week you find that moment. I'm, I'm personally challenging myself to, to invite people all the time, and I've been given great opportunities to do so, like being at a furniture store looking for a couch for, our, we're trying to make a movie room upstairs, and, and the furniture guy says, hey, yeah, I'm from Bonnie Lake, when I'm giving him my address, and I'm like, oh, cool, where do you go, like, where do you go to church? I don't go anywhere. I was like, oh, perfect, because we have a church that's for people who don't go anywhere. It's called Open Life at Bonnie Lake High School. I gave him an invitation. I was that guy, right? But it was in a moment. I had to take the opportunity. And uh, was it a little clunky and awkward? Yeah, actually it was, but that's okay. And uh, it's all good. But I want to pray for you that God would speak to you how you should respond today. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to open up your word. And I love the story of Shamgar. And just, it shows us that you can use any of us. Shows us that you can take anybody with any background you can even take someone who's very emphatically not worshiping you, and you can use them. You can transform them into being somebody who would make a great impact for your glory, which Shamgar did. I pray that, God, you would allow 2014 as a year for us to seize opportunities as they come, that we would not just let opportunities pass, but we would say, why not? And we would drum up that 20 seconds of courage that we know that boldness roots out of the Holy Spirit in us who follow you. And we would make the choice to jump all in and make a difference in somebody's life. God, maybe some in this room have yet to ever choose to follow you. They've never embraced the reality that you sent your son Jesus for them. And I pray right now that it would be so real to them that they would even Make that choice. Today could be their day. They could start 2014 with a choice. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to begin to learn more about Jesus. I'm going to begin to, to read and grow and, and 
be a part of what he's about in this city. It sounds like a pretty big difference is being made. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I follow you, Jesus. Pray that that moment would be made as well in people's lives as we reflect on the talk today. In Jesus' name, amen.